Hello and welcome to the St. Peter Institute podcast. My name is Marcus Peter, your regular host. And joining me today is my good friend, Luke Lancaster. Luke is, as you all know, the Director of Biblical Apologetics for the Institute. Luke has a true heart for finding the depth of Catholic faith within sacred scripture. And today, Luke is going to be treating us to the wondrous topic of the deity of Christ, in particular, in answering Jehovah's Witnesses. So how are you doing today, Luke? Doing very well. 8 a.m. in the morning, Sunday. It's a beautiful day, ready to go to Mass, and uh, ready to think about this and reflect on Scripture. Oh, that's great. That's great. And it's so wonderful that we get to go to Mass again. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so but let's uh, let's jump right into this. So, Luke, uh, before we even begin talking about the deity of Christ, who are the Jehovah's Witnesses? We hear a lot about them. We conflate them with a bunch of other groups. Who are the Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, you've encountered them before, haven't you? Yeah. So Jehovah's Witnesses are a religious group uh, that's really split off from Christianity. It's a something that was started by Charles Taze Russell in 1879. And basically, they, they have been particularly great at evangelizing. Um, they were really, uh, really emphasized the coming of Christ, particularly at 1914. So uh, Charles Taze Russell, 1879, started Jehovah's Witnesses, started a new religious group that really like passionately followed Jesus and trying to follow the Bible. But um, they also really emphasized that Jesus was going to return in 1917, or no, 1914, which we know did not happen. Um, and they, they consistently have uh, just moved the date later and later. And so they, they really got a ton of followers, I think, through that conviction that Jesus was coming back and that you got to be Jehovah's Witness to make it to heaven. Um, but also just the they love bomb you too. Um, my parents actually were very close to becoming Jehovah's Witnesses because they love bombed them. Like they were invited. Nicely, and like they just like they seem like such nice people um, that really loved God, really loved Jesus. But they're doing this outside of the Catholic Church, outside of the Church that Christ started, and so they they've split away. Um, and they get you in by just love on you, like, hey, how you doing? We love you, like we love having you, like that sense of community. They're very good at establishing and keeping. Actually, my dad's coworker, uh, my dad's a chiropractor. My dad's coworker is Jehovah's Witness, and literally all of his business is from Jehovah's Witnesses. Like all of JWs go and support him. You know, so they're a very tight knit community. And so, if you're looking for community, if you're a little frightened about going to hell, uh, and you think that Jesus is going to come again immediately, um, which again we believe as well that Jesus is going to return at some point. We don't know when, but we always have to be prepared because you can get deep in the night. Um, you know, he's going to come back. But they've given specific dates before, like 1914, or I think the other one was 1975, which actually, when that date passed, they lost a million members because everybody was so convinced that Jesus was returning. And then it was like, so why are we following the Watchtower? <laughs> like, they were wrong, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, but I've encountered Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, like, I've walked down the river, walked down to Tampa, and just seen two nice people are standing there with a, you know, uh, a rack full of pamphlets and they're just, you know, easy to talk to. I stop for a few minutes and ask them about the deity of Christ. Cause I know that's a really big, uh, hot button issue for them. They, the watchtower teaches Jesus is not God, which is totally foreign to Christianity. Um, because, I mean, from the consistent teaching, it's always been going on for the last 2000 years. 
Um, so I like talking about that with them and going over scripture passages. Okay. Wow. Wow. So a lot of this is new information for our listeners. And I'll admit some of the more specific details are new to me too. So let's dive in a little deeper. You've been mentioning that they've been talking about Jesus coming again. So what will Jehovah's Witnesses tell us at all about Jesus? Yeah. Um, basically, they'll say that he was a, a great man. He was a teacher and somebody that like the whole conferences on Jesus and they'll have all these amazing written booklets written, written about him, these great articles, these great talks about him. Um, I, I have extended family members that are in the Jehovah's Witnesses and they're always posting about Jesus and his teachings and they love him. And it's like, man, you know, you guys be good Catholics. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they believe that Jesus is this great guy, but they don't believe he was God. They believe that he was a creature, which is different. Like, with us, I mean, like we believe Jesus was God, uh, like He was God became man and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was God that emptied Himself down to humanity and became man. Um, they do not believe. They believe that Jesus was God's son, just like I might have a son or you might have a son. Like any person as a man might have a son, um, but that son is not them. And so, like that son is. You know, something that was created and not something that is like somehow like the same person or the same being. Um, they don't, which I mean, like, is understandable because that is a mystery. It is something that is mysterious. Um, but they deny that Jesus was a God. They would say that he was a creature, an exalted creature, the firstborn of creation. Um, but that's all he is, an exalted creature. Okay, so essentially what they're going to try to negate would be the consubstantiality of the Son and the Father. Uh, they, they'll hold up this reality of Christ the man created, albeit perfect, but still created. So what's the Catholic, how do we as Catholics respond to that? Well, I, I typically would respond to them with how God is totally different from us in that he's transcendent and he's eternal. We are not eternal. So if we have a child, a child is a created thing in time, and it's a beautiful thing, but it's, you know, like we're not the same substance or the, we're not mysteriously one. You know, like if I had a child, we wouldn't be one. Like we'd be two individual people, totally separated. I was, there was a time when the son, when my son did not exist. Um, the difference would be, what I say to them is how God is different from us and that he's not in time. He is not a human being. Um, and so if he's eternal and outside of time, anything that he does, like if he created a son, that son would not be in time like ours. There, it would be an eternal son, like an eternal being gives like and from eternal being to mm -hmm. eternal being, like they're both going to be the same. Um, so there can't really be a time where the sun did not exist because this is outside of time. This is an eternal reality. So the sun is totally being eternally begotten from God, the father. Um, and so it's, it's mysterious. We can't really wrap our heads around it, but basically if like this eternal mindset is totally different from ours and you can't simply say, well, he's got son. So he's a created being. Like, no, there's something a lot deeper about that. I say it's a, 
a mysterious reality, but based on the statements of Jesus, he claimed to be God the Father's being his divinity on earth, which is mind-blowing. It doesn't make any sense to our minds. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it, it's it's a mystery. It, it really truly is a mystery, and we'll never comprehend it in our life on earth. But we can apprehend truths of it, and the first place we can do that would be sacred scripture. So uh, please walk us through sacred scripture. How can we see Jesus' divinity in sacred scripture? Yeah, I would start with, um, I wrote down a few scripture verses that I typically, I'll typically like take them to a few scripture verses when I'm talking with Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, some of these, though, it helps to just um, look at the Old Testament background first and then look at the New Testament background. Um, that way you just kind of get a really solid mindset. So I'm going to turn to Isaiah 45, verse 23. And in Isaiah 45, verse 23, um, it basically is saying that um, no knee shall bend to anyone else but God. So you bend the knee to God. Why, why is that? Because that's just, you have an interior disposition of worship. Like you, you express that by bending your knee. And, and God says, you know, you can't be bending the knee to any other person, only to me. But then if we look at um, Philippians chapter 2, where St. Paul talks about Jesus, he says that it's the name of Jesus that every knee bends, which would be a direct correlation to pointing back to Isaiah, where you only bend the knee to God because it's a sign of worship. Um, and now St. Paul is saying, well, you bend the knee to Jesus. Well, who is Jesus then? Kind of, is kind of indirectly saying Jesus is God, that Jesus is the one that you bend the knee to, the one that every person on earth and heaven, above the earth, below the earth, everyone in created, created reality bends their knee to in adoration and worship. Not just a sign of respect, but in adoration and worship, every person, like you can't not do it. It's everything in the universe bends their knee to Christ. Um, why is that? I'd say that's like a divine prerogative that was only referred to God in Isaiah. It's now it just kind of points the Jesus being God, Jesus being God made man. That's Philippians chapter two. Um, there's also um, the fact of the name Lord. Um, if you look at Exodus chapter 20, verse two, uh, it says, I am the Lord, your God. John have gods before me. Not you. God is the Lord. And he emphasizes that to Israel in Exodus. But then again, we look at Philippians chapter 2. It says that Jesus is the Lord. He is the Lord above all things. Well, I mean, if God is your only Lord, and Jesus is your only Lord now, that would mean that Jesus is the Lord. <laughs> Jesus is God. <laughs> um, so that's just something that's like St. Paul is basically implying through his language. Um, if you go over continue to go over Philippians chapter 2, actually. I find it really fascinating. Philippians 2, verses uh, 6 through 11, where it says, uh, talking about Jesus, how he, though he was in the form of God, 
though he was like in the shape of God. Like you think of a cookie cutter, like you got a star cookie cut, star cookie, and you've got like a circle cookie, and you got different like forms, right? Or the form of man, or the form of a lizard, like the the shape. Well, Saint Paul says Jesus was in the form of God. Like, what is that? Like we're all created in the image and likeness of God, but Jesus in particular was in the form of God. Like he was in the like the outward appearance of God. Like different than ours, but he was the form, the, the shape. Like this is something that isn't human or it just isn't like like us totally, like it's something that we don't have. <laughs> um so who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped at or held onto, but he emptied himself. So he's saying he's in the form of God, but he didn't regard that equality with God and grasp at it and hold on to it. He was at the form of God, but then he left that form of God and emptied himself and came to earth. Emptied himself, took the form of a slave, took the form of a man, and coming in human likeness and found him, found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, like, this is the form. He's in the form of God. He's an eternal being that just came down to earth and, like, didn't hold on to or didn't grasp at his divinity, but left it and came down to humanity and became a man that had thoughts and feelings and, you know, all of works about being a human. Um, and it says, because of this, God greatly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Again, these are titles that are referring only to God in the Old Testament, like bending the knee and calling him Lord. So I think that really seems a point to the divinity of Jesus. Um, Another thing is that title, um, the Lord of Lords. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter ten, verse seventeen, it says that God is the Lord and Lord uh, is the Lord of Lords. So for Israel, who has this very strong monotheistic thinking that God is God and there's nobody else above or below Him, and says that He is the Lord of all Lords, there it is in Revelation chapter nineteen, verse sixteen. Jesus, the man who is slain for us, the Lamb of God, who is slain and has his garment dipped in blood, is the description it gives in Revelation 19. Jesus is called the Lord of Lords. Again, like this, all the things that Israel associates with God suddenly becomes associated with Jesus in the New Testament, which would indicate that Jesus is God. Um... Another thing I'd point out to you is uh, John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. In that, I found that very fascinating because in that passage, it says, um, Jesus is the shepherd, and we're the sheep, and we are all being held in Jesus' hand. Verse 28, we're in the palm of the hand of Jesus. And then verse 29, we're in the palm of the hand of the Father. That's like, wait, I thought we were in the palm of Jesus. No, we're in the palm of the Father. So it kind of begs, what do you mean? Like, how can we be in two places at once? We can't be in two places at once. We're in the palm of Jesus. Or how can we be in the palm of the Father? And in the next verse, the Father and I are one. 
oh, that solves that problem. Wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, that solves the problem. Okay, like, you guys are well, one. <laughs> like, it's the same hand. Like, they both are. And that's why the Jews immediately thought, okay, you just claim to be God. Let's pick up stones. That's the next verse. Verse 31. They pick up stones because they're going to throw it at him because he just blasphemed. He just claimed that he was God. And I was like, are you going to argue that the Jews misunderstood him, that the Jews just didn't know what he really meant? I don't think that's really the case. There, like, how can you be in the same? <laughs> I think that's the logical conclusion there. <laughs> um, another verse that uh, I particularly am really—it's just like ding, ding, ding in my mind—is uh, John chapter fourteen, verses eight through nine, um, where Philip, Jesus' apostle. Jesus' handpicked disciple, someone that follows him and loves him. He says, Jesus, show us the Father. And then Jesus just looks at him like, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Like, have you been with me so long that you don't realize this stuff? <laughs> like, everything that God does, I do. <laughs> Titles of God, I am. <laughs> like, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the father like i am in the father and the father is in me it's like it's so like it's so clear in our minds like okay that was a silly question philip <laughs> he is god like he is the father somehow it's like it, it's so difficult for our minds to grasp but that's really what he's claiming to be um the other thing that i point to is uh in revelation 5 verse 14 it speaks about the Lamb of God, the Lamb, like, you know, John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God. In John chapter 1, Jesus is the Lamb of God, he takes away the sins of the world, he died for us, he's slain. It speaks about in Revelation 5.14, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who was slain, is worshipped by people in heaven. It says that the 24 elders in heaven, these are heavenly beings, probably like maybe the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. I don't know. All, all we know is that these heavenly people are all bowing down, and it specifically says worshiping the like worshiping the Lamb. If Jesus is the Lamb of God, why in the world would you be worshiping Jesus if He isn't God? No. So, I think that that is just icing on the cake. Jesus God. And so these are the type of things that I uh, like to bring up to Jehovah's Witnesses, and they all have worked out explanations. Like I just gave a few of them how they try to uh, avoid that narrative that seems to be writing in Scripture of Jesus being God. You know, like I said about um, uh, but Jesus holds us in his hand, and God the Father holds us in his hand. Well, they'll probably say, well, he's like like my son and and me, like father and a son, are, are kind of like are kind of like a one thing. <laughs> they're kind of one. They're kind of they're familial and like they both are like like they both live in the same house. Like they're kind of they share things. Um, but I, I just don't think that's a very good explanation. Um, um, so yeah, those are some of the passages that you can bring up to a Jehovah's Witness. Okay, all, all of that's very, very substantial. And I think that that's a 
that that's a large enough size tidbit for us to to start chewing on the reality of dialoguing with Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, if I may round up all of our thoughts, it's it's beautiful how the council fathers of the Council of Nicaea uh, understood really well that this needed to be fleshed out. And this isn't really a very new heresy. That's why we have these very explicit words, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being, consubstantial with the Father. Yeah, so... Uh, Let's let's end it here. And for those of you readers who are, for those of you listeners who are listening, and if you're interested to find out more about answering Jehovah's Witnesses and just diving into Scripture a little more about understanding the divinity of Christ, feel free to get in touch with us at uh, www.stpeterinstitute.com. That's stpeterinstitute.com. And uh, if, if you'd like to, please specifically get in touch with Luke. He is the director of biblical apologetics, and he has a great mind for defending the Catholic faith with uh, interweaving scriptural truths. So thank you very much for joining us on today's podcast. And until next time, we hope to have you join us. I'm Marcus Peter, president of the St. Peter Institute. And I've been talking with our guest, director of biblical apologetics for the Institute, Luke Lancaster, who is also a good friend. God bless you and keep you always. 